0: This episode is brought to you by the American Distilling Institute's Annual Judging of Craft Spirits. Are you a distiller or a brand owner? If you are, you should think about submitting your spirits for judging and evaluation at this year's annual event. Not only will you get a sense of how your products stand up to other distilled spirits on the market, but you'll also receive in-depth sensory feedback and recommendations from a panel of expert judges. If your spirit rises above the rest and receives best of class honors, you'll be given the opportunity to meet with ADI's 3 US retail partners: Benny's Beverage Depot, Kendall Wine Merchants, and Total Wine & More to discuss possible placement in their stores. Members of ADI, yes, you can become a member, receive a $100 discount per spirit submitted from the standard registration fee. Registration closes on February 25th. 2022. Visit distilling.com to learn more about the American Distilling Institute's annual judging of craft spirits and to submit your spirits for evaluation today. Now, on to the show. Modern. Modern.
1: Modern. Modern. Modern.
0: We're prepping for a voyage. Modern. Force of an old-fashioned equals whiskey mass times bitters acceleration. Why don't you make that a double? Modern Bar Cart. What's shaking, cocktail fans? Welcome to episode 221 of the Modern Bar Cart podcast. I'm your host, Eric Koslick. Thanks for joining me for this interview episode where we track down the best and brightest minds in the spirits and cocktail world so that we can share their secrets with you. This time around, I'm joined by Maria Denton, the Southeast Regional Manager for Liars Non-Alcoholic Spirits. They're one of the heavy hitters in the no-ABV product space, boasting a lineup of over a dozen, well over a dozen, zero-proof spirits and mixers, as well as non-alcoholic sparkling wines and ready-to-drink cocktails. As the conclusion of our series on low and no ABV drinks, I'm thrilled to put out this conversation because it shines a light on a whole other set of production methods and use cases that we haven't covered yet. And Maria is an excellent guide when it comes to explaining how to utilize non-alcoholic spirits in all kinds of your favorite cocktail formats. But... Before Maria and I start popping bottles of Zero Proof Absinthe and Prosecco, let's take just a second so that you can make yourself a drink. This episode's featured cocktail is the Plebeian. To make it, you'll need two ounces of rye whiskey, one quarter ounce Campari, one quarter ounce grapefruit juice, one half ounce rich simple syrup, which is a two to one ratio of sugar to water, and three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice. This is a really neat cocktail because it introduced me to a shaking technique that I was unaware of, which is called the Regal Shake. This method is designed to add subtle richness and bitterness to a cocktail by throwing a citrus peel in with the ice. In this case, it's a grapefruit peel. So you combine all your ingredients in your cocktail shaker with the ice, throw in your grapefruit twist, then proceed to shake and strain like you would any other sour drink. When it's chilled, strain into a coupe glass, garnish with another citrus twist, a lemon twist this time, and enjoy. The Plebeian is an original cocktail submitted by our listener, Samuel G, who dropped us a line to discuss the stirred citrus cocktail question that I asked a few episodes back. I love this drink because it fully embraces splitting both the citrus and the sweeteners in a classic whiskey sour format, and finds clever ways to balance brightness bitterness and mouthfeel. Also, it just so happens that Liar's offers no ABV versions of all the boozy ingredients in the formulation. So, the plebeian can be as full octane, low octane, or no octane as you want. Thanks to some wheel for introducing us to this really creative original cocktail and I do encourage all of you to get in touch and let us know what drinks you're really excited about so that we can feature them as well. Now, let's turn our attention back to the interview. In this refreshing and perfectly balanced conversation with Maria Denton, Southeast Regional Manager for Liars Non Alcoholic Spirits, some of the topics we discuss include how Maria used her career working for one of the world's most prestigious spirits brands and managing one of Washington, D.C.'s busiest bar programs as a timely springboard into her current position with Liars what creating non-alcoholic spirits has in common with building the aroma profile of a perfume and how that allows liars to create products with the world's most popular cocktails squarely in the crosshairs we also taste what i assume is the world's first non-alcoholic absinthe and we pair it with all the bitters new orleans style bitters and liars american malt no abv whiskey to create a fantastic sazerac so kind of have a all-in-one cocktail experience as well. Then, Maria and I get the chance to address some pointed listener questions about how to handle technical factors like temperature and dilution in zero-proof cocktails. Along the way, we find out which new spirits and mixers we can expect from Liars in the near future, where the champagne queen stands on non-alcoholic Prosecco, where to grab a drink with your favorite impressionist painter, and much, much more. I'd like to give a big shout out to Brian and the team from Hatoba, located in the Navy Yard here in D.C., where Maria and I recorded this interview. It's a great venue with awesome food and drinks, and if you visit the show notes page or hit us up on social media, we'll have a video of Brian making a signature cocktail using some products from the Liars' portfolio. As a reminder, this episode is the final installment of our romp through the emerging landscape of non-alcoholic spirits and cocktails. If you haven't already checked out our recent interviews with Derek Brown, Ian Blessing, and Lauren Chitwood, focusing on many different facets of the booze-free drinking experience, I really hope you carve out some time to listen to those interviews if you're so moved. And on the other hand, if you've been tapping your foot and eagerly awaiting the return of our fully leaded spirits and cocktail content, well, you're in luck. We've got some excellent stuff lined up for you as the Northern Hemisphere tilts its way closer to the sun. But for now, please enjoy this fascinating conversation and tasting with Maria Denton featuring Liars Non Alcoholic Spirits. Maria, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, thanks for having me here.
0: So let's kick this off by just having you introduce yourself to our listeners. Who are you and what do you do?
1: I am Maria Denton. I'm the regional manager in the Southeast USA for Liars Non Alcoholic Spirits.
0: All right. Now, Liars is not a U.S. company, is that correct?
1: Correct. We were founded in Australia, um, but now we're a fully global uh, company. We are in um, all of Europe pretty much and uh, the United States and in Canada, um, parts of the Far East. We are in several Middle East countries um, and expanding all the time. Uh, We want to have liars in every corner of the globe. That's the, you know, world domination, I guess, is the is the aim. <laughs>
0: fantastic, fantastic. Uh, so how did you come to find yourself working for Liars? Uh, obviously, it's a company we've got, We, <laughs> for context, for people who are uh, joining us, we've got like almost 15, 16 bottles plus five cans, an assortment of just wonderful things here in front of us on the table. We're sitting in Hatoba, which is an uh, awesome bar and eatery here uh, in the Navy Yards in D.C. And uh, so now that we've got the setting, how, how did you end up with Liars and with all these awesome products being sort of your purview to, uh, to spread the good, good news about?
1: Well, you know, it's funny because I've been in wines and spirits in the adult beverage industry in one way or another my entire career. Um, I actually went to school for radio and television Okay. Uh, back in the day uh, in Orlando, Florida, when Florida was going to be Hollywood East. Um, worked for Nickelodeon for a while and uh, realized I did not love television. And I'll tell you, if you're working for Nickelodeon and you decide you don't love television, then it's just not the right industry for you. But I was uh, bartending on the side and I loved that. And I like Everything. I'm, I'm such a nerd. Whatever I get into, I have to be very studious about it. So even at a very young age, I was studying everything I could get my hands on about wines and spirits. And that uh, led me down the path. Um, I worked in restaurants for a long time, uh, being on the kind of corporate beverage panels for uh, places like uh, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Um, did a little detour. For a while to do uh, the distributor supplier side of the business. So I kind of earned some chops there working for brands like Moe and Hennessy and um, got lured back into the, the restaurant side. I was the beverage director for the Old Ebott Grill in the Hamilton here in Washington, D.C. for a couple of years. And, wow. Yeah. And then uh, that's how I got introduced to Liars there. Um Part of my background is, you know, I, I mentor young sommeliers in the art of blind tasting, and I was on the board of directors of the Society of Wine Educators for six years. So I take uh, beverage education really seriously, and and um, that was part of my role with the Clydes Group at Old Ebbitt Grill in Hamilton. And part of that was was trying to find innovative things to offer our guests, and. Liars came along. We wanted to expand our, our cocktail offerings at the restaurant to include um, sophisticated non-alcoholic cocktails. And uh, this was right when this was in 2019, mm-hmm. right when Liars was really starting to push into the United States, um, they were still being self-distributed. Actually, they didn't have like a local distributor or anything. So we were ordering them directly from from Liars itself to, to to service the restaurant. Fast forward a couple years, you know, COVID happens, uh, still happening. Um, I was placed on COVID sabbatical, as I like to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my old boss saw that uh, Liars needed a regional manager in the area, and he recommended me to the senior VP in North America. And I just really, I was already in love with the brand, but the more I found out about it, the more in love with it I, I became. Um, so that's that's kind of the winding path that, that led me to be able to sit here with all these wonderful products here in front of you. Um, some people who know me were like, Maria, is there something you're not telling us? Uh, you know, you're working for a non-alcoholic company. I mean, I'm, I'm known as the champagne queen because I'd show up to accounts, you know, toting champagne bottles all the time in my time with Mo and Hennessy. And I'm like, no, you know, look, I still love, I'm still an equal opportunity drinker. I love cocktails. I love wine. I During my time with the Clydes Group, I really got into beer. Um, this is just another aspect of that. This is just another... Uh, really, really fascinating part of the cocktail experience. And I'm, I'm happy to be a part
0: of it. Well, I'm so glad to know that about you, because I think to me, that's a very similar direction from where I'm accessing no ABV spirits. Uh, I really enjoy anything that, you know, gets subjected to some sort of focusing technology in in, in, in in that's what distillation is. It focuses certain yeah. things and pre- it captures them in a liquid medium. Yep. And in that respect, I, I very staunchly believe that spirits need not contain ethanol. Right. Um, and, and, and so I do think that non-alcoholic spirits are a very valid format in a technical sense. On the other hand, like you, uh, I actually got my start in wine as well. I got my WSET here in Washington D.C., like right up in the corner at the uh, the uh, Capital Wine School.
1: Jay Humans love
0: him. Jay Humans, that's yeah. right. And uh, and from there, I kind of started getting into spirits and cocktails. So so like you, I'm I, I come at it from a nerdy perspective and a a love of flavor perspective. And in that respect, I am a bit of a meritocrat in that. If it's good, it's good. If it's not, it's not. And it doesn't matter if there's alcohol in it. So that's part of the reason I'm excited why we have so many really cool flavors in front of us. We're definitely not going to get to taste all of them uh, during this interview, but we're definitely going to hit some really fascinating highlights for folks. And um, I guess maybe you can tell me a little bit more about the the types of products that Liars offers. And I don't know if there's like a... Sort of a ton, like maybe you can start us off with like the first couple products they offered, and and explain how they've evolved, or if there's a different way that you can kind of walk us through the evolution of the brand and how they've brought innovative new products into the no ABV space. However, you want to do that, I know our listeners would be fascinated to hear.
1: Absolutely, uh, it's it's actually a pretty interesting story. You know, there had been um, a couple of forays into the non-alcoholic spirit space when our founders, uh, Carl Hartman and Mark Living's, kind of hit upon the idea for for liars. Um, there were products, very good products out there, like Seedlip was, of course, first to market. But Seedlip is doing its own flavors. They're not like a one-to-one alcohol replacement kind of product. And Mark Living's, especially, he was making some changes to his lifestyle. You know, he's Australian and uh, Australia is a drinking culture. Let's, you know, be frank. And he really wanted to have uh, an option when he was ready to stop drinking just to stay in the party. And in a lot of countries, the U.S. included, we stigmatize, I think, not drinking. Mm -hmm. You know, I know for I'm usually the designated driver. I'm you know, one of those responsible people. (laughs) So, but I know that if I ask a bartender for a club soda or, um, you know, any sort of non-alcoholic drink, the people around me are like, oh, you know, you're you're quitting the party early. And and like all of a sudden, like it's seen as I'm not having as much fun as everybody else. When I, I really am, I just am choosing not to imbibe at that point. Uh, and Mark and Carl saw this kind of happening for a variety of reasons. There's health and fitness reasons people choose not to imbibe. You know, alcohol is—it's all carbohydrate. It gets converted um, into the body as sugar, so it's loaded down with calories. So there's the—you know—caloric count. There's there's the—you um, uh, know—of course, sobriety. At any time, there's seven something like seven million. Uh, pregnant women in the country, mm-hmm. um, so they wanted to have. They wanted to invent this one-to-one replacement products for all of your favorites from behind the bar, and it's really the vision of the company to eventually you could have a fully stocked bar, and it would be nothing but Liars products. And um, you know, I I think that's pretty exciting. So the timeline for this, the you know, kind of the conception came in 2017. Um, by 2019, they were ready to release their their first set of products, which was pretty much our our bourbon, which is our, our American malt, uh, our gin, which is our dry London spirit. Um, they wanted to be able to make a Negroni. Sure. That was like a holy grail of, of cocktail making, because a Negroni, of course, is all alcohol. So to make a non-alcoholic Negroni Uh, And to be the first uh, to be able to do that with just our products was important to them. So our aperitif Rosso, which is our red vermouth, um, our Italian orange, which is our Campari. And then kind of as a a sidekick to that, we have our dry vermouth as well, which is our uh, aperitif dry. I think our red and our white vermouths are a couple of the strongest products we have. I I love them just on the rocks. Uh, But it just really expanded from there. So now we have Three rums because you can't just have one, you know, rum comes in all kind of uh, different flavor profiles. So we have a white rum, a a spiced rum and a dark rum. Um, You got to have a coffee liqueur, right? You know, of course. how else are you going
0: to make those espresso martinis?
1: Exactly. How are you going to make an espresso martini? So we had to have a coffee. Uh, Our Amaretti is out of this world. I prefer it to regular Amaretto and cocktails because it's not as sweet as Amaretto. So it doesn't add sweetness, but it adds that wonderful almond character to it we did come out to a companion to our version of Campari. We have a version of Aperol, which we call our Italian spritz. Um, I really like
0: that one. um, That's one of my favorites.
1: I love it. I, you know, Maria, why do you go through so many samples of the Italian spritz? Oh, no reason.
0: (laughs) Research and development,
1: research and development, like every day before dinner, have a nice, uh, non-alcoholic, uh, Aperol spritz. Um, you know, uh, we had a triple sec, actually our orange sec. We had that for a long time before we ever came out with our agave spirits. The agave spirits were a kind of a particular challenge. We didn't want to come out with them until we got them just right. And tequila has like these wonderful kind of, um, uh, herbaceous, you know, gentle herbaceous notes from the agave. Like I, I, tend to call it like a sappiness, mm-hmm. but they also have, you know, an earthy note, uh, like almost a mineral note to them often. Um, and then there's kind of the floral and, and light citrus fruit notes. So all of these things have to be exactly right before we'll put the liars name on them. So it took a little longer. The, our, our agave spirits actually just launched uh, at the end of 2021 on our website, liars.com. Uh, We should have those in wider distribution, hopefully, by the beginning of March. uh, We're waiting for that slow boat to arrive from Australia. Uh, But I'm super excited about those because, you know, I feel like our triple sec was so lonely for so long. Yeah, fair, fair. You know, it wanted wanted to be made into a margarita. And we were kind of making margaritas with our white cane spirit, which is our rum. And it was very good. But uh, so much more fun now to have two different agave expressions um, what am i leaving out oh the absinthe yes um,
0: that is exciting and I, i'd like to taste that before this interview is through for oh sure oh my
1: gosh I'll, I'll just pour you a little bit now i'll make you a sazerac too later on this one is just so much fun it is a true absinthe style not a pastis style uh the difference is of course uh in sweetness pastis has like a lot of um kind of sugar to it It's a little lighter version or a a sweeter version of an absinthe. Um, But this, our absinthe is dry. And it is honestly just the distilled essence of what it means to be an absinthe. Uh, As are all of our flavors, you know, we don't make, like we're not making an absinthe and then taking the alcohol out. We're actually building these from the ground up um, to be, mimics of, of the traditional bar favorites. So, you know, our flavor architect, David Murphy, he sits down and thinks about, okay, what are the components that I taste in absinthe? He's a former, like me, he's a former sommelier. And, um, so picking apart those flavors is something he's really good at. And then he works with our company that we use to create essences and, yeah, almost like building a perfume. Mm-hmm. I guess it's Precisely. like building a perfume for aroma, but also for flavor. Uh, and then, of course, it has to be gluten free, uh, allergen free, vegan. That's very important to us. Uh, and shelf stable, even without the alcohol. So there's a lot of other kind of things that that we have to make sure. Um, you know, all the all the the boxes have to be ticked. Uh, all natural flavorings. You know, we don't want anything. Uh, kind of phony in there. Yeah, I was really, when we came out with the absinthe, absinthe is a great component and so many cocktails, but I feel like that was another one where, kind of like doing the um, non-alcoholic Negroni, we just wanted to be able to say that, hey, we can do even absinthe.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's certainly... One of those uh, eyebrow razors, right? Like you're not you're not coming across so many non alcoholic absinths on the market. Yeah, right. It's a it's a rarity, and uh, it, you're right. It is um. It's certainly dry, uh, but it's got all of that wonderful fennel and um, a good sort of um, lingering chemistesis on the tongue yeah. as well, um, which you know, many absinths are extremely high proof. So not only yep. are you making a zero ABV version of a spirit, you're making a zero ABV version of a spirit that is anywhere between 60 and 80% ABV at any given time.
1: Exactly. Uh,
0: so I, what I what I kind of want to talk to you about in the nitty gritty of this. Now, you mentioned that you're not distilling a spirit and then taking the alcohol out. Right. By the time this episode airs, we will have aired another interview with a non-alcoholic spirits brand that does make their spirits in that way. So it, to me, like when I was first approached by our listeners to like, hey, let's do some, some fun no ABV spirits content, I was like, all right, I assume these are all made in the same way. Right. Very stunned to find out that no, that is not the case. So can you explain to the extent that does not impinge upon your proprietary <laughs> technologies and and systems, how the liar's spirits are prepared. And I, I guess I'll put I'll put out that when I came into this, I assumed that many, if not all, No ABV spirits were manufactured in a similar method as hydrosols, right. which is like rose water, orange blossom water. You basically, you pass something through in, in, the, in the path of vapor, of hot water vapor, the vapor then takes on those flavor and aroma characteristics, and then, you know, it, it, it retains it once it recondenses. So right. I, I don't know to what extent Lyres' process is similar or different to that.
1: So it, it is similar to that. Um, I would say the difference is, for instance, um, with gin, you would normally have kind of all your aromatics in kind of the same container and, and then do that process to, to get, you know, you'd have it in the proper proportion so that all of it gets infused into the, the base spirit all at once. Yep. What we're doing is we're creating individual essences uh, in, in, in that same way that you described um, and then adding them to our proprietary non-alcoholic base and... It's funny because everybody kind of knows how a vodka is made or how a gin is made. You know, there's no real big trade secrets in that. Um, certainly with the Society of Wine Educators, like we've written chapters on, on all of these products of, of how to create these things. With the non-alcoholic spirit space, it's so new and there is so much that is still proprietary that, um, that it's hard to get into too much detail mm-hmm. about how things are made, but I can say that ours are a collection of of you know essences and extracts and distillates that we combine in order to recreate the experience of having uh, whatever the cocktail is that, or whatever the spirit is that we're trying to mimic. That proprietary non-alcoholic base is essentially it's a water base. All of non-alcoholic spirits are water based. Um, however, there are some things that you can add to that to give it some, some body and to mimic alcohol. You know, it's no trade secret that, that capsaicin and uh, sejuan pepper are things that can add a little bit of the heat of alcohol without, you know, having the alcohol there. My personal preference is one that we rely on a lot is the sejuan pepper because the way it builds on the palate, it doesn't build on the palate like spicy salsa, right, where the more you drink the kind of the hotter your palate feels um i find that sejuan pepper it adds like a numbness and uh and it's a very yeah it's a very slow build um and you can get to the end of the cocktail and it kind of subsides so you're refreshed to have another cocktail Mm. so that's you know one of the things that i really like about um, about the liar's products is even our even our agave spirits which do have a little more capsaicin in them than some right. of our other expressions um, they don't they don't build uncomfortably on the palate.
0: Yes. And you know I, so I appreciate you kind of walking us through that and obviously you know to to kind of recap for our listeners there's certain considerations that you need to take into account here so instead of doing something like a bouquet garni which would be like the the gin method of preparation you you take a bunch of herbs and spices you bundle them all up and then you pass alcohol vapor through them or some sort of hot vapor through them and it captures it you're almost adding the more concentrated. You're, you're titrating almost like adding ground spices or you know uh, uh, flavor flavor extracts in certain yeah. proportions, which makes sense. That's the way you scale something. That's right. the way that you maintain consistency across the board with yeah. all this complexity of having you know almost twenty SKUs in front of us right now. Yeah.
1: Well, part of that too is that different essences um, get drawn out by different solutions. So. Um, There are some things that are best if you're, you know, macerating them in water and then taking the essence from it. Um, There are things that need to be fat washed in order to get the most flavor and the purest flavors out of them. Um, And then... You know there are some things that are best drawn out by alcohol we try to avoid that though because obviously then we're having to remove alcohol um the only one that i really know of that we use that process for is our amaretti the the nut character is kind of best drawn out by alcohol but we do remove all the alcohol from that essence you know we're just drawing off the esters that give it that nuttiness
0: right so yeah it's really fascinating i come from the bitters making space and one thing that mm-hmm. you learn when you make bitters is that different things extract better at different proofs for sure and and so that's kind of exactly what you're describing and yeah and uh speaking of bitters you and i were chatting right before this yes you nice. pulled out a bottle of all the bitter yes you got their creole style yep. right their payshodes yeah uh, new orleans yep and uh, you just so so shout out to Ian uh, for anybody who wants to learn more about those, you can check out episode 119. Which is our interview with him, uh, but you just put together sneakily while we were talking <laughs> a little sazerac for me here. So, um, so this is I, I would say my first like official like one to one all no ABV cocktail with liars. I've been playing around with them at home in sort of like maybe the spritzy format, trying right. them on their own, trying them with some sparkling unflavored water just to get a sense of them. But this is my first lovingly and expertly prepared all no ABV cocktail. So. What, what do you do when you want to make a cocktail like the Sazerac all with a Liars product?
1: So the most important thing when you're making a cocktail with any non-alcoholic spirit is um, realize that we are being water-based and not alcohol-based. Um, you have to kind of guard against dilution. Uh, when you're making cocktails with an alcoholic, uh, uh, you know, an actual alcohol, the recipes kind of work dilution into that to soften that sharpness of the alcohol. So, you know, you'd shake something vigorously with a lot of ice. Sometimes you, you know, sometimes in cocktail recipes, you're shaking vigorously with ice and then you're pouring it over new ice. Right. So, um, with the non-alcoholic spirits, adding the ice at the very last minute is pretty important. So, um, one thing I like to do I keep, even though I have all these bottles, I have a special refrigerator at home, I keep all of my non-alcoholic spirits in the refrigerator. It helps with the viscosity as well. It gives them a little bit more body. Um, But it means I'm starting with a cold product in the first place. And then I'm doing a couple of things. If I'm building it in the glass, I build it in the glass, give it a quick stir, add the ice. If it's something that needs to be shaken and served up, I make sure my glass is cold. I start with cold lyres you know make sure all my ingredients are cold and then i shake it with just like a couple of ice cubes you don't need a ton of ice in the shaker just a couple of ice cubes in there and you shake it until you hear those ice cubes start to melt like literally the sound gets a a little bit less because the ice cubes become really small and sometimes bartenders are skeptical of that like really just three ice cubes and it's like three ice cubes will do the job and um because you have that auditory cue, like I should stop shaking now, you're not over shaking and over diluting the drink. So like for our espresso martini, that's one that I always think of when I teach people how to make that. So I like to point that out because you can be disappointed if you buy a non-alcoholic spirit and then you're making cocktails in the traditional cocktail way. Um, and then it tastes watery. You know, you can avoid that by adding your ice as one of the last steps in the process. So that's like kind of the most important difference, I would say. But other than that, it's a one to one ratio with you can look up and, you know, say you have uh, our Liars Spice Cane Spirit, you know, it's a rum, uh, spiced rum product. Well, you can look up any spiced rum recipe online and use the same amount of Liars as you would the rum in the recipe. Um, the, the only difference being is that you just want to want to make sure that any dilution is kind of happening in your glass at the time you're drinking it.
0: That's fantastic. So I want to talk about the Sazerac because it's pretty good. I I really like it. (laughs) I'm paging our listener, Simon, who just recently wrote me an email saying like, hey man, like, listening to your no ABV cocktail content I've been making these suckers at home and I've noticed that if you shake them mm-hmm. you know there's like this there's this watery issue the they, they don't really dilute the same way that regular cocktails do what's the deal so seems like some takeaways for Simon and people like Simon who may have encountered this problem are, the spirit's cold beforehand, right? That avoids part of the dilution issue. Uh, Maybe rolling the, I'm I'm thinking of maybe even just, you know, rolling, if you've got a Boston shaker set, you know, maybe just rolling it. And, you know, if you've got, you know, those two inch by two inch larger cubes, those dilute a little bit more slowly. Um, For
1: sure, for sure. That's normally what I would put, if I had one handy, that's normally what I would put in the the Sazerac, you know, although I like to drink them straight too. But like for a Manhattan or a Negroni one big cube is perfect for those.
0: Of course. Of course. So, so yeah, uh, Simon, there you have it. Uh, Maria has just solved, (laughs) solved the, the problem better than I possibly could have. This episode is brought to you by near country provisions. I've been a customer for about a year now, and I can say without hesitation that the delivery of frozen farm fresh meat that I receive from Adam and his team makes me do a little happy dance every month. Not only does Near Country offer grass-fed beef and pasture-raised pork, but they also have an awesome selection of chicken and seafood. And the best part is it's all local and it's all sustainably farmed and harvested. You can customize every order or simply leave the selection in their capable hands like I do. Near Country even offers fun add-ons like bones for soups and stocks, as well as special holiday offerings like turkeys, brisket, and more. If you live in the Mid-Atlantic, that's DC, Maryland, or Virginia, and you're sick of the same bland selection at the grocery store, or you're looking to drastically improve the quality of the protein in your diet, Near Country Provisions has you covered. Head over to nearcountry.com and enter the code BARCART, all one word, when you sign up for your subscription to receive two free pounds of bacon or ground beef in your first delivery. That's BARCART, B-A-R-C-A-R-T, all one word, at checkout. This is easily one of the biggest quality of life improvements I've made in the last year or two, so I hope you'll give near country provisions a shot and let me know what you think. Now, back to the show. And, uh, you know, getting back to the Sazerac, the aroma is like perfect. It's you wouldn't yeah. you wouldn't even know. You'd be, I mean, uh, maybe you're missing some of the alcohol, burn, but not even like right. a well-made Sazerac yeah. when you give it the nose you get the whiskey and you get the absinthe and the absinthe is so wonderful and floral and then yeah. that lemon twist is just so fragrant that you're yeah. really not getting a ton of the alcohol when i when i know a, a sazerac and when you taste it there's a definite difference for sure however what i find is present that i don't often find in a sazerac is that you get this wonderful pecan yeah. note and to me like what says southern u.s like a nice pecan like i remember there's this one bourbon i tasted that will always stay with me waffens it's from the medley the medley range waffens was i think it was like a 10-year bourbon just this beautiful just a pecan bomb i don't think i've ever had so much pecan in a bourbon ever and it's just man it's it's really nice and uh yeah the finish too is very so, like, you get the nose very Sazerac. You get the palate a little bit different, but you're still getting distinct American whiskey, definite good kick of the anise from the absinthe. And then on the finish, boom, finishes just like a regular Sazerac yeah. again, which I love. So, yeah. um, you know, well, maybe it, that's part of the little bit of the Szechuan in there that's yeah, kind of lengthening sure. that from the and and that is in the absinthe, correct?
1: Yes, for sure, for sure. It's, it's, um, it's, I don't, it's not necessarily a trade secret because I think a, a lot of people know that about Szechuan pepper, but, um, you know, having been a mixologist in my past life, I know I've infused things with Szechuan pepper just to boost that a little bit. And I just, I love that it's in our, our drinks because, um, it's one of my favorite ingredients, but you know, I'm sitting across from you and, and to me, if I didn't know it, you're holding a drink. You're, yes. You're holding a, it looks like a cocktail. If I smelled it, it smells like a cocktail. Um, I find that when I drink a liar's cocktail, I get a little bit of a placebo effect where I get the relaxation because I'm going through the ritual of, of having a cocktail. And so um, my body says, oh, this, now's the time to relax and, and have fun. So, you know, that's one nice thing about the increasing availability of the option to order these cocktails they just happen to be non-alcoholic when you, you know, you go to the bar because, uh, if you're in a big group of people, you don't stand out because you're the one holding the soda or the glass of juice. Um, you just kind of blend in with everybody else and and you should because you're having a cocktail. Um, I hate the word mocktail. Some people like, you know, I, I understand what that, that word got done kind of back in the early inception of the idea of having non-alcoholic cocktails, but these are f- finely crafted non-alcoholic spirits. What we make with them are cocktails. There's nothing to mock about them
0: <laughs> for sure, for sure. Uh, well, I mean, the proofs is is sitting right here in my glass to me. and so, in terms of this, this, this is maybe getting a little shop talky, but I'm sure, you know, you, you are the triple threat. You are the, the bartender, the distributor and the beverage director Mm -hmm. experience. So I'm sure you're not going to blanket this question, but in terms of price point and Mm -hmm. the, uh, the price, the cost of a cocktail, one of the discussions that I've been having quite a bit with guests like Ian, Mm -hmm. uh, from all the bitter with, uh, guests like Derek brown um is the notion that like yeah in fact like not only should non-alcoholic cocktails cost the same as regular cocktails in many cases they're more expensive because of the lengths that people go to make them now i can see that being a little bit good on the one hand and a little bit of maybe not good on the other hand um where do the liar's spirits kind of fall on that spectrum and you know like how does what does that look like perhaps to a bartender who's listening mm-hmm. to this and maybe curious about incorporating some of the liar's portfolio into their program what's what's that going to mean for their cost per drink
1: yes so great question And it's one that we get a lot of um, because people think that by the nature, because they don't have alcohol, that non-alcoholic spirits should be less expensive than their alcoholic cousins. What I normally say is that sometimes the cheapest thing in the bottle is the alcohol. Honestly, um, all of the kind of technology that goes into creating the essences that go into liars Think of how expensive perfume is. We're doing the exact same thing, only it has to taste good, too. (laughs) Um, you know, it's quite frankly, and for those of us who are going out to a bar, you know, and one of the things that I found working for two of the busiest restaurants in the country, the old Epic grill and the Hamilton is that people are willing to pay that premium price to get something that actually tastes like a cocktail. You can make somebody a non-alcoholic daiquiri, not using an alcohol replacement. You can make it with lime juice, simple syrup, normally you'd have to add some sort of club soda to it, so it ends up being kind of spritzy. But essentially what you've given somebody is flavored soda water. Yep. They're willing, they're much more willing to pay a cocktail price for that product if you're giving them something in that cocktail that tastes like rum so that they're getting the wonderful rum flavors, but they're also getting the lime that makes it a daiquiri, you know, or if you're making a non-alcoholic mojito, you know, that mint. People do not blink an eye. The actual consumers don't blink an eye at paying um, paying the same for a non-alcoholic cocktail as a uh, as a regular cocktail. I think it's one of those things where our our customers get it when sometimes the buyers create a problem in their mind that doesn't necessarily exist. You know this this fear that oh because it doesn't have alcohol I have to charge less. No, the people who who are really hungry for this option when they go out to dine um they they understand they they get it and they're willing to pay the premium price to get that
0: right It it's almost like you know a lot of spirits and cocktail programs when you try to bring a bottle behind the bar their initial thought and i'm sure you can corroborate this is great what am i kicking off
1: yes yeah absolutely
0: and so this is the one plus one equals three moment where you're saying you're not kicking anything off. Like you're, you're actually, this is serving a 100% novel function behind your bar. For sure. And you know, I'm sure that you have to frame it that way in many cases to, to, to help it click. Yeah. Um, So I want to talk now about one of the newer things that is hyper exciting to me, effervescently exciting. We might say (laughs) Uh, we have, champagne queen with us. I do. Um, So can the champagne queen introduce one of the uh, up and coming products that we can expect from the Liars portfolio?
1: Oh, I'm so excited about this. Um, And I've—I've. it was one of the things that really sold me on working for the company is um, at one point during my interview, the person interviewing me opened a can of our Classico, which is our non-alcoholic Prosecco. And here I am, you know, literally one of the certifications I hold is called master of champagne. And so I had to study spark, all sorts of sparkling wine to get that certification. So I assume they give
0: you like a Napoleon hat when you get that,
1: I, you know, no, just like lots of bottles of champagne, which is even better. Um, (laughs) But uh, so I was, I was ready to be skeptical. I was so ready to be like, Well, it's not really going to be, you know, it won't really take the place of a sparkling wine. But um, I'll tell you what, they poured it for me and they, you know, at the time, I'm saying they at the time because I didn't work for them. um, I think we really nailed it. Uh, It has everything you want from a Prosecco. It's got um, those just wonderful fruity character, and almost like kind of a little bit of a grapey character that you get from the Glara grape, which is what normally goes into Prosecco. Um, but we also got that, that little bit of that kind of saline earthy character that you find in a lot of sparkling wines and did not overdo it on the sugar, which is, I don't mind a sweet sparkling wine, but by and large what I like to drink is something that at, is at brute level which is, you know, a really dry, um, product. Uh, I would say this is right at the edge of brute level going into kind of an extra dry level, Ooh. but it, it does not, um, you know, And we, we can open this too actually. Yeah. Um, but so we have it in the cans right now, the 250 milliliter cans. Um, uh, oh, we can do a little toast, but I am so excited because this is, on our website, we um, sold out of it almost immediately over the holidays. Um, oh, cheers. Cheers. Ching, ching We came out with a cork and cage bottle, 750 milliliter bottle of our Classico. And it's just so festive. It's beautiful packaging. Um, for those of you who missed miss the chance to get it on our website, we are restocking the website as soon as we get in the next airlift of the yeah. uh, <laughs> of the Classico. It's just proven to be really, really popular.
0: That's mm. phenomenal. Uh, I um, have always been impressed with the... Well, I say always. Since tasting them, I have been most impressed, perhaps, by the grapey products that you offer the uh dry and, yep. and sweet vermouth mimics the uh the aperitif dry and the uh aperitif uh rosso and i, I noticed actually in my bottle like i actually saw like a little bit of grapeiness like yes. a little bit of a little bit of a grape sediment which is like yep. you know when when i think of a no abv spirit i think of something that is engineered in right. a similar way that liars is engineered and yep. when i think engineering i don't think like in your bottle of uh sfumato rubarbaro <laughs> where you get that sort of like mud slick at the end yeah. with all the with all the like sediment there ends, like yeah. like yeah you know that that's got real grapes in it yeah i don't necessarily like it's not a red flag for me if there's not sediments in it but then when right. i see to see that in a no abv spirit i was like whoa yeah no wonder it's grapey. there's some grape stuff in here so yeah, yeah. i mean like To me, I think that if anyone's skeptical, perhaps, of the uh, no ABV spirits in general or perhaps, uh, you know, anything in the liar's portfolio that you're like, I don't know about that. I don't think it can do what what the regular thing can do. I would say maybe start with that, the dry and, and the red aperitif, because to me, they're two excellent examples that even if you're looking to make a low ABV cocktail, you know, if you still want to, you know. Make your martini, or make your. You know, maybe this would be somewhere between a martini and a vesper with a little bit more sweetness to it. Right. But if you wanted to make something with gin, a vermouth, or uh, what we might call like a Lillet uh, cor- correlative, mm-hmm. and then a twist, then then yeah, I would say start with that dry apéritif. Similar yeah. with any anything with sweet vermouth and and the 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 red apéritif, because I think that those are so close to what's already on the market sans alcohol um, that you'll be that, 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 that would be a very easy stepping stone, a very, very easy first toe to dip into that pool. And with, with the the sparkling wine, I mean, that's fantastic.
1: It's delicious. It's delicious. And uh, you know, I probably would not if, if it had not been as good as, as it is, i maybe would not have ended up working for the company because again i've got that reputation of knowing my sparkling wine so i gotta have a sparkling wine i can stand behind
0: i mean the mouthfeel is right there yeah you get a little bit of green apple too yep which is nice
1: yeah a little um, green apple little white peach oh yeah and then what really just sells it for me is you know wine always has a, pl- a sense of somewhere in you know that terroir aspect and so, you know, most sparkling wines grow best where the soils are a very mineral right. kind of base soil. So I love that we nailed that mineral component. Just, as well. just a
0: little bit of chalk in there. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, for um, sure. wow. So yeah. yeah, and, and this is, this is another thing that I like to bring up when talking about no ABV spirits, because. You know, one thing that people enjoy about spirits is the story, whether it's an unaged spirit, when we're talking about the botanical bill in a gin, for example, you know, the botanists, you know, an island gin. Oh, man, (laughs) take me to island, Fantastic. Or an age spirit where we get to talk about the barrel. Jefferson's ocean. It was aged at sea. Whoa, that's freaking cool. Automatically. Um, We don't get that as much in the no ABV space unless you go out of your way for it. Yeah, and so sure. we've been lucky to feature both with All The Bitter and with Kentucky 47, which will be dropping before this interview, as well as with Liars to, to encounter some folks who are really taking the time to work on that sense of story and place. And yeah. if not terroir, at least something that stands in for terroir and does yeah. the same thing that terroir does in the glass, if for not, sure in the actual sourcing and creation of the spirit. And I think that's hyper important. So I'm, I'm just really grateful. You know, I, I did so much outreach before this dry January and I happened to hit on some folks who were really knocking it out of the park. So um, is there anything else before we jump into, you know, some of the more uh, cocktaily stuff. We're here at Hotobo. Hopefully, we're going to be able to get to film a cocktail. Um, is there anything else that we need to know or we should know that I've been overlooking about the uh, Liar's portfolio and um, you know what's going on? You know, sort of maybe in the near future that people can look for besides the amazing Prosecco.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So the next thing that will, the next thing that will kind of drop will be um, a wider distribution of the cork and cage bottle of the, of the non-alcoholic Prosecco. We're calling it Classico Grande. You know, everything we do has a little bit of a sense of humor. I mean, even the name being a double entendre, like being able to ask for a liar's gin and tonic, you know, the double entendre of that. Sure. It is spelled L Y R E apostrophe S though. And it's actually named for the liar bird in Australia. Do yourself a favor sometime, and YouTube, lyrebird. Um, you'll get several videos pop up of the lyrebird mimicking sounds that it just hears in its um, atmosphere, because that's how the male lyrebird gets the ladies, right? Mm-hmm. He has to keep adding to his song, so whatever he hears, he mimics. Whether that be like chainsaws or car alarms, I heard one doing a video game. So while the lyrebird is the world's best mimic of sounds we like to think we're the world's best mimic of flavors and in that respect you know we're, we're constantly trying to figure out like what what is our next step so um, what I can tell you because there are things that are out globally that we haven't gotten in the United States yet um, you'll see wider distribution of the classical grande um, the agave spirits we're waiting for the slow boat to land and then you'll start to see that pop up in restaurants and bars all around because uh, I'll tell you what I, I have seen so much excitement over the agave spirits. We do a Blanco, which is great for just kind of your everyday margaritas. And then we also do what one we call a Reserva, which is just the Blanco with kind of uh, some oak essence to it to, to give it a little more of that aged characteristic. And I feel like it's the first one of ours that is really, you can be very comfortable just sipping it. You know, it's one of the problems with non-alcoholic – well, I shouldn't say problems, but it's one of the aspects of non-alcoholic spirits is that because they don't quite have the body of an alcoholic, uh, their alcoholic counterparts. Like if you think of alcohol as being the weight of heavy cream on the palate, any non-alcoholic spirit is going to be more like low-fat milk, right? So maybe the sipping experience, um, it's better off in a cocktail. But I feel like our agave reserva is one that I could just sit and sip with a little bit of lime. So I'm really excited about seeing that out in restaurants and and restaurants being able to make a, a really nice margarita with our orange duck as well. Yes. Um, pink gin, which Ooh. is a bigger thing overseas in Europe and in Great Britain than it is here. It's kind but of a
0: bummer. <laughs> it should be a bigger thing here.
1: It should be a bigger thing here, but um, I can't wait to get my hands on that. We're hoping to have that out again in the spring um, here in D.C. I am pushing to get it in time for Cherry Blossom Festival because what better way to celebrate the uh, Cherry Blossom Festival than with a, a lovely pink you know, drinks made with a lovely pink gin. And then we'll see from there, there are some things in the work, uh, certainly more RTDs or or, uh, pre-made cocktails. Um, I think that that's a space that we're going to see continue to grow because, I mean, quite frankly, who doesn't like the convenience of just popping the top of a can and and having a ready-made cocktail? Uh, It's the reason why the category is so big and and we want to be the the major um, players in that space as well. Um, and then we are working on a couple more spirits, but I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about them
0: yet, but, um, we don't want to get you in trouble. Here. Don't want
1: to get me in trouble, but I can tell you that on social media, that when we do polls, uh, some of the things that people say they really want to see. So I know we're probably thinking about them, um, are things like, uh, uh, like, a uh, Irish cream. I'd love to see us do an Irish cream. Um, a, like a Highland malt. I would love to see a scotch from us. Um, and then people ask, it's funny because people ask for non-alcoholic vodka a lot. And vodka being kind of flavorless, colorless, olderless, um, that's the tradition of it. You know, whether or not that's actually true. I, I know a lot of kind of those Eastern um, like Polish and uh, Russian vodkas do actually have a lot of character to them, Uh, but it's a little hard to replicate in a non-alcoholic form. So for everybody who really, really wants Lyra's to come out with a non-alcoholic vodka, I'm sure we're kind of noodling that, but in the meantime, don't be afraid to use like our white cane spirit actually stands in really well for vodka in most cocktails. So that's that's usually the one I, I recommend. Or our dry London actually is not, if, if you're somebody who doesn't like an overly juniper gin, our dry London is actually a pretty good option because we um, kind of favor the more floral aspects of gin and the more citrusy aspects of gin kind of over that juniper. You, you get the juniper in the finish. You know that that juniper bitter bitterness. So if you're making something that's a little more herbal, I recommend using you know, a vodka drink that might be a little bit more herbal. The dry London spirit is really good for that. But if you're making something like an espresso martini um, or like a you want a vodka cranberry, um, I recommend using our white cane spirit for that.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, one last thing I do want to point out: uh, I I really enjoy the, uh, the the characters on on the the bottles that you have. I uh, in the agave you have the uh on the blanco you have a uh lizard mariachi yeah and on the uh reserva you have a a dog or a wolf luchador
1: it's the it's the, the oh i can't pronounce the the word but it's the cow oh, what is the mythological mexican creature
0: oh is it a chupacabra a
1: chupacabra thank no you kidding. for some it's reason a, that oh yeah, yeah so it's, a, got, it's, a, it's a it's a uh a Chupacabra wrestler yeah. on the on the cover of that. Oh,
0: good 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 redirect. Good redirect yeah. there.
1: So, it's funny when this was kind of the our secretive proj- uh, project that we were working on, it was um Project Rango because we knew we wanted to have a chameleon on the cover uh, on okay. the on the label yeah. of the Blanco. Yeah. And of course, you know, so we named ourselves after the uh, the famous animated film that was Project Rango for a long time
0: well that's fantastic maria this has been really instructive to me Uh, a bunch of these bottles showed up at my door and i've been playing with them like a guy who normally drinks booze which (laughs) is ham-fistedly and um you know the 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 Sazerac that you created really opened my eyes to um, some of the ways that these things can really shine which is very different in the way that regular spirits usually shine. So, right. I think my main takeaways from our conversation here is that there's so much promise in this space. Uh, Liars has this massive range of products uh, that you can sub in one to one for their erstwhile spiritus versions. And uh, it's not so much about if you can make something good, it's about, all right, how are you going to go about this thoughtfully so that you can take something. Make it a little bit differently than you normally do so that it tastes almost exactly the same as is the case of the Sazerac that I just enjoyed. So to me, that's what I'm going to go away and think about. I think it's fallacious, as you mentioned earlier, to think of these as something you can sip neat just like a spirit in most cases. But really, in the cocktail world, there's just so much promise. And I'm so excited that you were able to kind of share your wisdom with us. Um, So with that, how about a few quick lightning rounds? Absolutely. Absolutely. First question. You're a bar industry veteran. What is your favorite cocktail? And if you don't have a favorite of all time, what's something you've been most recently excited about?
1: So my favorite cocktail of all time is just a really good Manhattan. Uh, I think, and and this goes back to my childhood. My mom used, when she was drinking, she used to drink Manhattans um, and I would get the maraschino cherry at the end of her drink uh so i i just really have like that fond memory of it but i feel like there's a lot of different kind of versions of a manhattan that you can do and um you know sometimes i add a little more of the red vermouth and and you know whether i'm making it with a rye or a bourbon or even a canadian whiskey it just always changes a little bit so i just i i it's kind of my go-to comfort drink i would say my um But my one that I've been playing around with a lot is any sort of sour, like an amaretto sour or a whiskey sour. I'm kind of coming back around to that, having a little bit of sweetness in there.
0: Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Amazing answers on both fronts. Now, you've been in the no ABV spirit space maybe longer than many, but it's a very new space. For sure. So uh, I assume that you've been very sort of like, it's it's been like a crucible, very intense, lots of learning, For sure. uh, lots of immersion in this culture that yeah. is still trying to figure itself out. Right. Being that that's the case, <laughs> what is one trend that you love in the no ABV spirits and cocktail space and one that maybe you're not so crazy about?
1: So I, I just love that We're seeing more and more choices in the ABV space, whether it be from wine, spirits, or beer. Um, Like I said, I'm a big beer drinker. I like to have a beer every day. Um, I'm finding that I can have a non-alcoholic beer and I feel like I've had a beer. It's it's a really easy swap to make. You know, if you're kind of new to that, that's probably the easiest swap to make is to go to a non-alcoholic beer. But even in the wine space, you know, we're starting to see some more sophisticated uh, wine options. And I'm I'm just really excited about that being that that's, you know, been a huge focus in my career. Um, I, I look forward to the day where we see uh, many more non-alcoholic wines that you don't feel like you have to add a little lemon juice to or... Um, one trick is to add like either our apéritif rosso or our apéritif, our dry apéritif, to non-alcoholic wine to kind of make them more wine-like. Um, there's more and more coming out every day that are more wine-like and and pretty exciting.
0: Excellent. What about one that's maybe not as exciting to you?
1: So one, the, one that
0: you maybe roll your eyes at a little bit.
1: So I I still am. I admit I'm a little skeptical of the. The ones of of any brand that's more like a um, more like a soda pop than kind of a true ABV spirit or even an RTD like you know our RTDs they they are effervescent um, and I have had people say oh they're like you know they're like kind of just adult flavored sodas and I appreciate that when they're trying to to be a cocktail but sometimes I'm finding that just having something that is like lime strawberry or (laughs) you know what I'm saying it's kind of hard to articulate but but I don't want to pay a premium for like a what is essentially like a seltzer water that just has like a little bit of flavoring in it that kind of I don't know. It just rubs me wrong. I want something that feels like a cocktail and not um, not a fancy version of club soda. I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> sure, sure.
0: Yeah, no. And it, it makes it makes complete sense. And and that is that is certainly one of the risks in the space that you're working in. Is it's like, For sure. all right, well, there's the head of the snake and there's the tail of the snake. And right. at, a, at a certain point the head of the snake starts consuming the tail of the snake again. And it's like, Ooh, well, we're right back where we were trying to get away from now. Right. Exactly. Um, so, so yeah, that, that's a good point. And, uh, I, I think luckily, uh, with our uh, listeners that you're, uh, going to be speaking to a sympathetic audience that uh, we, we like, we like real cocktails and, uh, cocktails that walk and talk like cocktails. Exactly. Uh, next question. If you could have a drink, Boozy, non-boozy, with anyone in the world, past or present, who would it be? Where would you go? What would you enjoy? Just kind of paint us a picture. No rules.
1: That is like, that's so hard. But um, I'm a big art buff. And it's part of the reason why I live in Washington, D.C. is because we have so many, like, just free world-class art museums. And I love to go to the. I'm, I'm in the National Gallery probably twice a month. My husband and I are both like really big art art buffs, so I'm a special fan of French impressionist art. So to go back in time and go to Momart Ma and uh, go to just some little dive bistro and and share an absinthe with you know Van Gogh or or uh, you know Manet or any of the. Any of the Fauvis, you know, the Henri Matisse, or mm-hmm. um, uh, I don't know. I just think that that would be to kind of h- feel that incubus of when these artists really wanted to turn the the kind of staid and uh, and very stuffy art scene. They just wanted to turn it on its head, and uh, you know, we forget we forget sometimes living in this modern era era that you know. These were the, these, this was like the the rock and roll of its time. These were the, these were the Banskis, yeah. you know, <laughs> of their time. Um, so I think that's what I would do. I, w- I would go back to Montmartre and just share an absinthe with, um, all my favorite artists from the fresh imp- French impressionist era.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. I'm more of a, more of a pointillism guy myself, but oh, still kind it. of in that impression. Roy yeah. Yeah. Kind of in that space. Or like Surratt.
1: Sarah, uh, <laughs> yep.
0: big uh, Van Rieselberg fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's some great, great stuff here at the National Gallery for that. So uh, last up, do you have? Now you've been, you've been in the wine world. You've, you've, you've seen so much and so many different kind of niches within the industry. So whether it's in the spirits industry, the cocktail industry, bartending and hospitality in general, you managed high volume bars. In any of those spaces, do you have any? Uh, controversial or unusual opinions?
1: I don't know how controversial it is, but, um, you know, it always annoyed me back in the day of of being somebody who would find myself alone visiting accounts. You know, it's like trying to get a table for one. It's like, oh, just one. So fortunately, we're, we're seeing hospitality spaces get away from kind of singling out solo diners. Mm. Um, I would like to see that same thing happen in the, the non-alcoholic space where it just becomes commonplace ah. to have a non-alcoholic section to your, to your cocktail list and for it to not be like this big deal. Because in the end, it's, it's all about inclusion. And like we were talking about earlier, it doesn't cannibalize your alcohol sales. It's a plus one. It's an untapped market. Instead of selling somebody a club soda, which you kind of feel bad for even charging them for because it's just, you know, water that you've added CO2 to. Instead of giving somebody that, you're giving them a sophisticated cocktail and something that they'll remember you for and that they'll tell their friends who are maybe laying off the booze for a while. Hey, you know where you can go get a really stellar cocktail? You can just go down the street to a place like Hotoba, where we are now. Um, I, I would just love to see that be be commonplace i would love to see that sort of inclusion and for it to just honestly become just another standard thing you'd see behind the bar
0: yeah i couldn't agree more and i mean like why do we call it the hospitality industry to to exclude people
1: exactly Uh, Exactly. that doesn't seem right
0: Uh, so Uh, I can't think of a better note to end on. Uh, Maria, just tell all of our listeners where they can go to learn more about Liars uh, in the digital space, social media. And of course, I mean, there's got to be at least a handful of people out there who are already trying to figure out how to get their hands on one of those Grande (laughs) Classicos or the Classico Grandes.
1: For sure. So the most reliable source to buy all things Liars is Liars.com. We are expecting ever expanding in all reaches of the country. So um, I encourage you to, you know, if your bar that you like to go to doesn't carry liars or your wine shop or, or, or liquor store, um, it never hurts to ask for the products that you like by name, whether it be Liars or any of the other non-alcoholic uh, products out there, please ask for us by name because some of the pushback that we get when we go to try to convince people to carry these products is they say, well, nobody's asking for them. And it's like, well, nobody's asking because you don't have a section set up. And, and, you know, it's it's hard sometimes to go the extra mile of asking for a product that you don't see. You know, you're you're gonna order what you see. You're gonna order what's there instead of asking, do you have? So I always encourage people to ask that question because then it just makes our point for for us, that there are more people out there than they know of that would love to have access to these products at their favorite, their favorite places. So Liars.com to um, to purchase for at-home use. Uh, you can follow us in on Facebook. We have a Facebook page, it's the uh Liars Um Spirit Company page. Uh we are very active on Instagram, uh, at Liars Spirit Co. Uh that's our same handle for Twitter as well. Um and you can follow me at Your Drink Your Way. Um, that's my Instagram handle. I'm Maria E. Denton on Facebook. I always welcome more people to follow me. You'll get a little mix of of cocktails, any cocktails and art on that because <laughs> I'm always posting art. So yeah, those are the best ways to, to get in touch. And if anybody has any questions, you can always reach out to me personally. My email is really easy to remember. It's just Maria at liars.co, Leave the M off, please. It's liars.co, So that's L-Y-R-E-S dot C-O.
0: Well, Maria, thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you for showcasing uh, all of these wonderful products, for making this wonderful Sazerac. And thank you, most importantly, for being a guest here on the Modern Bar Cart Podcast.
1: Oh, thanks for having me, Eric. It's been a lot of fun.
0: This episode was made possible with editing and sound design by Samantha Reed. Low and no ABV spirits and cocktail insights, courtesy of Maria Denton, Southeast Regional Manager for Liars Non-Alcoholic Spirits. Hospitality and excellent cocktails by Brian Marvel and the rest of the team at Hatoba here in Washington, D.C. And a little bit of interview magic by yours truly. This has been a Modern Bar Cart production, copyright 2022.